Okay, we're here with head coach Bruce Hepler as the Yellow Jackets are down to their last uh, six or seven days before your first event of the fall, which will be the Maui Gym Invitational in um, Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, coach, um, this is a tournament you couldn't play last year because of COVID. And... Um, there's, it, it seems to have a relevance, obviously, because the NCAA championship is in the same area. Um, why, you know, why was it important to go back to this event uh, this year to kick off your fall schedule? Well, as we've talked about in the past, I think desert golf is different. The horizon is different. Um, fairways are not as defined. And so to learn how to do that, I think you just you got to go do it. So and again, it gets back to the whole premise of the program is let's go play all over the United States so that they get a, a, a varied background experience from grasses to weather to conditions. So uh, the fact that the NCAA is in the desert obviously enhances the reason to go do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, look, I'll be taking a couple of guys that were, did not play in the NCAA out there last year and uh, are well aware that it won't be the same golf course, that ryegrass rough will be burnt out and, and the course will play different um but still i think walking around and just becoming familiar with places is positive sight lines, sight lines and just yeah. just again you've been there before and you know where you're going and mm -hmm. and so uh with it being a holiday not missing school on monday we just decided to go out there and we'll play there at greyhawk a couple of days and then move on over to, to maribel and play so um maribel's a good golf course so i think we've won there a couple of years ago so um just look forward to starting the year there and again with the ncaa that's certainly part of it uh, to get to do that. Now you've got some guys obviously that played in the NCAA tournament there last year. What, you know, if you were, if you were writing down a list of things, takeaways from that experience that you need to, that you want to get better at the next time around, what would they be? Well, it's just, it's a, it's a hard thing because um, with the heat and everything, and obviously there's the desert, but then they, they kind of grew this rough end. And so uh, became, it became a much shorter, tighter course than we'd played in January. And, um, you know, when you were just kind of, well, I've hit driver here for nine days in a row. Why do, why do I need to change that? So I think maybe just a little better look at what to hit off the tee. You don't want to take an Indy car and turn it into a truck. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, our strength is, is somewhat the length of the guys on the team and how straight they hit it. But there was a lot of places where I didn't think driver fit. And I don't know that we really made a complete adjustment on that. Some of the teams that we played with that made match play the third round, I guess, um, were hit a lot of irons off the tees. And, I, I, and I've never been one to tell somebody what to do or how to play. Mm -hmm. But maybe just a little different idea of maybe try some different stuff to see what makes sense. Because um, you don't want to put training wheels back on. I mean, try to hit good shots and whatever. So I think maybe just a little bit different course management type some thoughts, even though it'll be very different, but just look at it again and, and see if we can make any adjustments there, even though it will be, won't be the same, but it'll be hot. So as far as how far the ball goes and those kind of things, um, be pretty similar to June. Climate would be about the same. Should be about the same. Well, may not be 104, but I would be right. shocked if it's not in the high nineties the whole time we're there. So, right. yeah. Um, back to our team a little bit, you know, your the, the lineup you're taking out there has, all four of the returnees from that NCAA team. Um, plus, you've got a you've got the freshman uh, Benjamin Reuter, and you've got 
our transfer of Ross Steelman, you have two our two newcomers along with those four. And who am I missing? And Aiden Kramer will go that first trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And this will be his first, first tournament. First tournament, yeah. Um, so, um, you know, did that did qualifying go as you kind of thought it would? I mean, the cream kind of rose to the top a little bit there, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, the, the low six guys mm-hmm. were – Based on history and accomplishments in the past, would you figure that that didn't surprise me that it ended up that way? Just mm-hmm. again, you know, people get better and and different things, but um, those the low six guys were the ones that um, probably have the best resumes going into the qualifying, and that's kind of how it turned out. Mm-hmm. What um, and the seventy two holes you played at Golf Club of Georgia, there were you know, the two guys at the top, Ben Smith and Connor Howe, put up some pretty low, pretty low scores. Is there anything to be read into that? Um, well, it means they're probably making some putts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time of year is probably the easiest the golf club plays. You know, we're still in the 90s, and the ball's going 100 miles, and with the bent grass greens, they can't – there's got to be some moisture in them or they don't survive. So the greens are soft, and uh, they were good, though. Um, really smooth. They're going to be pretty special this fall, I think. They've, they've changed the grass there. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a different kind of – bent and come out of the summer about as good as I've ever seen it. It's as good a shape in August as it's been in 15 years. So, but again, you just can't nip those down when it's still stretching into the, the high nineties and stuff. So, um, and they were perfect. So they were perfect to put on and, and, um, but it's good to see guys that have never shot those kind of scores because, because it's been the same in the last couple of balls, but I think it because it's in the shape that it's in, the greens were really, really good. And so they were able to make some putts. Um, take it as a whole, um, your team that you've got going into this fall, what's kind of, and given what these guys did in the summertime and the resumes that they have and the, your two newcomers, Reuter and Steelman both had pretty good summer, summers of competition. Um, what's your outlook on this bunch? You know, if you could put that in a, you know, in a nutshell, what, what's your outlook? Well, I've tried to for 27 years to be the Lou Holtz of college golf and, and just downplay it as much as possible. So mm-hmm. always try to exceed expectations. I, I don't know that talking about it changes anything. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, now some of those COVID seniors are gone. That was, you know, we, we were kind of undermanned last year um, with all those teams having guys back that were all Americans, whatever. And, you know, they've moved on. So I think that levels the playing field a little bit as who the competition is. And now, now we're older, uh, still – a lot of eligibility left in this crew, but um, I'm excited um, physically. Um, I, I think we have a chance to have one of the best teams we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's just learning to deal with um, their expectations and what they want to do. And as I told them in, you know, in the first meeting, there's, there's a hundred teams sitting here writing down a goal to win the national championship. And that's just understood here. Now we haven't, but when you open the door every August, it's not like, well, oh, now we're finally good enough to go do that. We've tried to stay away from that. And there's some theory in education that I can't even pronounce that, the high, you know, if you, if you have really high expectations all the time and you get anywhere near those, then it's, it's always been a pretty good year. But I think they're excited and, and um, the guys that are back, new guys are really talented and we have a lot of depth. Uh, I think one through 10, um, it certainly is, is one of the deeper teams that we've had. Um, so it's going to be hard to get on the road. 
Uh, I salute Pepperdine for winning the national championship last year. In my, in my mind, they had eight players that were better than anybody else's eight players, and and that pushed everybody. And if you get that kind of push at the end, then then if your sixth guy's really great, then that means your fifth guy is even better. And I think we're in a position to push each other. And so uh, I think anything's possible. You mentioned physically this might be the best team you had. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? I mean, you've got, you know, yeah. What What do you mean by that? Well, and and I guess and I guess when it, to to fit it to Greyhawk, maybe it isn't the isn't what you need. Yeah. But when you've got two guys with ball speed over two hundred miles an hour, um, mm-hmm. both Ross and Chris can drive the ball 350, 360 yards really straight. Um, Connor um, hits it dead straight, and um, Ben is Ben's kind of decided it's okay to hit it two-yard fade every time and find it all the time. So he's settled in. I think that's kind of a, a maturity thing for him, and that's where you see the scores come now because with iron play, he's phenomenal and wedges and stuff. And then with uh, with Benjamin, uh, kind of a funny story. I mean, he hits it like up a straw. It's it's that straight. Mm-hmm. And Coach Stanton said, Ben, you, you drive the ball really well. And he said, well, Coach, I'm the best driver of the ball in the Netherlands. Okay. And so Coach Stanton said, well, why don't we become the best driver in the United States? He goes, well, if that's what you say. Okay. So, um, I mean, he yeah. really has a, a great motion, and mm-hmm. it just comes out of there really straight. And he can go to Bartley, who I think if the guys who vote anyone on the team is, is, is as good an iron player as there is on the team. He flights the ball. It comes out flat with the right spin every time. So I, I think just physically all around driving, mm-hmm. we just got to kind of – Maybe make a point of emphasis. It'll be better inside 100 yards, and, and see what happens. You've got a guy who's six foot eight. You've got two guys that are six five, because I think we've got Bart measured at six five now. I think Benjamin's at six three. Who am I missing? Connor six two. You know, but does anybody have that kind of measurable no, height be, on their team it, in this country? No, it looks like monsters getting out of the van. Yeah, they're they're huge. Yeah, yeah it's look like every time we walk in at Chipotle or something, it's like they're a basketball team. So. Mm-hmm. And you know that's big guys, and then with what which what Coach Stanton does in the uh, the weight room, uh, watch what they deadlift, what they bench, what they do down there is amazed. He's had an incredible impact mm-hmm. on each one of those guys physically. I think Aiden Kramer gained almost twenty four pounds in a year, and so they're stronger and they're fit, and we don't have it, and the injuries don't have those, and so the whole program is to get stronger and get faster and, and stay away from being injured. So they're, they're in great shape physically and have really kind of bought into that. It's, it's hard to even keep them out of the gym anymore. Mm-hmm. Who do you think has made the biggest strides between spring and now? Oh, wow. Um, I would probably give it to Connor, mm-hmm. 61 and 62 this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, some top – Ten five finishes in some really big national junior events. So I, I, I mean, amateur events. So uh, I think the progress he's seen is is probably the most significant of where he's finished from playing in pretty good amateur events to going to the Northeast and in the and where he went and, and he had a really great summer. Can you give us a little bit of a just a little bit of what your evaluation on the two new guys, Benjamin and Ross? Well, Ross has just really grown up. You know, he started he started college early. I mean, he's like in almost in his third year, and and we're really thrilled that he's going to stay with us as long as he is. But um, just a quiet, determined people who young man who wanted to be around people like himself, and I think he's fit in. We got him to come this summer. 
Uh, so he's not adapting to Atlanta, to Georgia Tech, anything. So we got him out of where he was and into the new thing. So he roomed with Ben and Connor all summer. So those relationships have been built and developed this fall. And um, and I, I think he just he wants to be the best in the world. And physically, he's got a lot of upside. And he's very serious about what he does. And so um, just, add, just add another guy with great desire to your program just raises everybody's antenna a little bit. And then, you know, Benjamin's only been here a little while, but um, a, a great hitter of the ball. And uh, from when we watched him in Florida, when he came over a couple times, I think his putting's way better. And, uh, you know, even his chipping out of this Bermuda grass has been kind of surprising um, the, the, during the qualifier. And he's kind of quiet. But it's funny, we were sitting there the other night, and he starts talking about naming names and guys who, who are above the line for Saturday night in the football game. Like, he's talking football, you know, and, and Crystal looks at him, who's the other international player, having us, what are you talking about, you know? And so he's kind of got into that and has met some guys and, and um, has kind of adapted well. And But he, uh, you know, he won his national amateur before he came and beat some guys that were over here playing that were all Americans and stuff. And I think he sees himself that he can be as good as anybody and but in a quiet way, but he's got a pretty funny sense of humor, and you can just kind of see him evolving in that in that area. But no, he's uh, he's what you, he's a, he's as serious as a heart attack. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only he didn't come over here for anything other than to try to get a great education and, and win golf tournaments. So it's exciting. He seemed to like the fact that he's already got a nickname from his teammates. Doesn't understand it yet. Yeah, but it, we'll, we'll get him to the movie uh, somehow. Ruder turned into Rudy, and he hasn't seen the movie yet. But we'll we'll try to maybe we'll get him to see that on the plane or something going to Scottsdale, so he can kind of understand how yeah. how I guess cool Rudy is. But yeah, he kind of likes that. Okay, cool. Um, just to finish up, um, we got the tour championship in town this week, which is always exciting um, for everybody. Um, and Stuart Sink's playing in it, and he's weighed in on this topic a little bit. Uh, but it seems like the 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 biggest thing that everybody's talking about as all as these uh, tour pros are here in town this week is is the discussion about fan behavior and and which I guess has come to the forefront because a little bit of because of Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka and the and the relationship that those two guys have um what do you think about that discussion? Where do you fall on that? Is, is it a big? Is it a, is it is is it a big deal? Is it a problem, in to your way of thinking? And you, do you ever see that sort of thing even on this level, in the college level? No, I, I remember that uh, Connie Mulder and Lucas's Glover's mom would get into a little bit of a cheering contest uh-huh. when they would play against each other, and, and those guys made a lot of birdies. So there was a lot of hooting and hollering, not against. So that's really, I mean, you know, you kind of get a little parent or whatever, and and um, but no, we don't have much. That is, it's pretty much families watching. But um, you know, this isn't new as far as some of the stuff. There were guys screaming at Tiger, you know, whatever stuff after he hit shots right back fifteen years ago. So the the guy that's had three too many, he's existed now for fifteen years, and. Why, why are you yelling pancake or whatever after? I guess so you've told your friends, we'll watch it on TV, listen for me, I'll be yelling this word or whatever and draw attention to yourself. And, and that's, you know, that stuff is all after the ball's in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would probably say we probably need, I see no reason for it, but 
you know, they buy tickets and, and they're in there. So that, I mean, that's okay. But, um, yeah, I just don't think you can go into the personal stuff. And I don't think you should be saying things to other players using their name. Or I think that's probably gone beyond now. You know, you have all these other sport guys talk about all the trash talk. Well, that's not – trash talk in the NFL or in, in the NBA, that's going on on the court between the players. Although I did see a, a Kevin Costner movie the other night where he was pitching for Detroit and his old movie and mm-hmm. these New York Yankee fans were screaming at him, whatever, and he just clicking the mechanism, whatever, and blocked everybody out. But I think the that stuff is probably inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to keep it in general, you not specific. You think there's more over-the-line stuff than there used to be? Yeah, and, it's, you know, and I think this one relationship is drawn right. where a certain player is being called the other player's name. Um that's probably too much. Yeah. Um, who started it? Who brought it on? Don't really know exactly I, 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 the history of how it started. Right. I think I know that that and maybe 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 it shouldn't have started where it started. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's probably too much. It seems like there are reactions and opinions on this are all over the map. There's some people that think it's great. It draws it draws attention to the game. And I don't know, you know, I don't know in a good way or a bad way. I don't know. Um, I don't think we need that. Yeah. Uh, and again, let's go back to the NBA. They're sitting courtside, mm-hmm. and you're screaming at somebody, and he's running up and down, and he didn't have time to listen to it. But when you've got eight or nine minutes in between shots, and you got to hear this chirping and stuff, it's just it's just way more impactful because of the nature of the sport. Right. There's a lot of downtime, and even if you're third on the tee or whatever because the other two guys have made birdie now you're just chirping in your ear on the tee box that's way different than somebody in the eighth row yelling something at lebron or something as he's running down trying to see if he's going to right go all the way to the basket or kick it out to somebody so i think the the quiet time the downtime makes it where it's probably more impactful on a negative way on that person than mm-hmm. than you would see in any other sport okay. cool well interesting conversation for sure Good luck next week. Thank you.